We're back. Welcome to the Creator Club podcast. You're here with John Marsh. I hope you've had a great week so far. If you are a coach or creative business owner on this show, we teach you how to bring more money into your business without the hype. We teach you sales. We teach you marketing like a human so that you love your selling process. You love your marketing process so that you can grow your business with confidence. All right, before we jump into today's episode, quick update on a couple things we're working on behind the scenes at Creator Club because it's very exciting. First is the Creator Pathway is now rolled out. So this is really cool. It's a part of Creator Club that's been behind the scenes for a long time, but we rolled it out to the front end, which means you can go check it out. You can learn from it because even if you're not in Creator Club, it's a great idea to bring something like this into your business. Effectively, it is our revenue tracking system or our benchmarking system. So what it means is, is for the first four key revenue targets we've rolled out, with each revenue target for your business, there's a different creator pathway medallion that you get sent, which is super cool. You can go to the website, check it out, but basically they're these uh, brass kind of heavy metals. And when you hit the revenue target for three month average, we celebrate and then we send the medallion. It's very important if you're just running your business or you're thinking about your business to start to set these revenue targets and the big reason is because what you're doing is creating a healthy money mindset. So you're seeing the relationship between the service that you bring to the people that you want to help and then the transference of value. And it's really critical to have a really good relationship with that exchange and to love bringing money into your business as you love to create high level value for the people you work with. And the more comfortable you can get with that, the more well-versed you get with this. Uh, we talk, we've, we've talked a lot about this in previous episodes around uh, money mindset, but the easier it becomes to share your offer, the easier it becomes to bring people into your business and to grow your business with less hype and less stress as well. So very cool, go check that out because you can learn a lot from it. Uh, even if you're just starting off and you're just kind of listening into the podcast. Second thing is we've got our first live event coming up, which we're working on like, uh, I don't know, busy people, I guess, behind the scenes. April 1st, it's called Mastery Day. And this is cool because Live events for us were really the beginning. You know, it was around the gym, the time of owning the gyms, so like probably 2016, I think this was, when uh, I put together the first movement and meditation retreats, which were these five-day unplugged and offline, no phone retreats. And we did a lot of mindset work and it was just super cool uh, experiences. We, we did them for a couple of years and then ever since then, we ran live events. It was, you know, a big thing. And it, even way before then as well, even back as early as 2009 with the 
triathlon and stuff like that, I would often do dinners and bring people together and run these events. But anyway, because of COVID and the travel and all that stuff, it's been a little while. So we're pumped to bring this one here to Newcastle. It's called Mastery Day. We're going deep into a sales mindset. So learning to understand and see sales in your business from this really healthy, abundant place. And this is very rare with coaches and creative business owners. This uh, ability to see sales as something that you truly love. A lot of people have the skill for their, pro for their service, but there's a little bit of a, a funny block around sales. So what we do is we go right back to what's called pre-sales. This is your interaction with your clients, with your market, how you show up in your market, uh, all the way through to the consultation, the types of energy you can bring to the consultations depending on the person you're sitting with, right through to the final part of the enrollment. Uh, so it's all very cool stuff and it's gonna go for a whole day, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, this, the results, a lot of the sales and revenue growth we're seeing in Creative Club right now is very cool. And so this is going to just bring pour like kerosene on the fire, I think, for those guys. And then also for those who are starting up, be a really, really great uh, fundamentals and, and healthy way to see sales early on, which is a real gift. So that's pretty much it. Uh, we're flat out with these and yeah, very exciting. So I wanted to share those. Now, today on the show, we've got a conversation with Stretch Rayner. Stretch has a really cool journey. He was in corporate originally, then he opened a gym. Uh, he did a lot of long course triathlon, this kind of stuff uh, early on as well and had this successful gym in the UK when he eventually decided to leave the UK, he sold out of the gym and then brought his clients that he was working with online. And so this was a while back before it kind of became such a popular thing to be doing. And what it allowed him to do was, I mean, uh, the last couple of years when everyone was sort of locked down, Stretch was living in a uh, this really cool caravan, traveling around Australia with his partner free diving in, you know, uh, Western Australia and doing all the super cool stuff because he could work wherever he wanted. So he had, he had, he had succeeded in bringing his, all of his online training clients or all of his training clients online. And so in this episode, we dive into that story. Now Stretch's work is around helping other personal trainers with their career direction and a big part of that is taking their own clients online, whether it's 100% or to create a hybrid model. So some offline, some online. And there's a lot of lessons in that, even if you're outside of the personal training realm, of course, anyone who's got a continuity or subscription-based model who's trying to get it going online, this is gonna bring some value. So tune into the conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Let's jump in. This is John Marsh and you're listening to the Creative Club podcast. So I was working corporate job um, and I've been working National Australia Bank for about four years and decided to go to the UK and was going over there for contracting. You know, the, the pound was good. 
um, good opportunity, had friends over there. Um, but yeah, got there and started doing like contracting in, in, in finance and IT and just really didn't enjoy it. Just wasn't getting much out of that sort of career. And at the time I'd taken up running, I could always play sport as a kid, um, but just to stay fit, I wanted to just do, do a bit of running. I was in the UK and then um, I ran my first 10K in France and then put myself down for the London Marathon and got accepted in the ballot for the London Marathon. So then started training that, which was great. And then from there, I got myself a personal trainer to help prepare me for the marathon. And at the time, I was really questioning my career. Like, what am I doing? This is not something that I enjoy. Um, you know, what do I enjoy? Would it be nutrition? Would it be, you know, PT? What, what am I going to get myself into? Um, so I left the corporate gig and, yeah, became a personal trainer and started at like a Virgin Active in, in London and only lasted eight months. I was totally burnt out. I was working as a fit pro on the gym floor and then I was doing PT clients after that. So a normal day would be, out the door at 5 a.m., not home until 10 p.m. and just go, 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 go. And I just saw that there was no career growth in the commercial gym. Like you're a PT, what do you do to get paid more? You get more clients, you work harder. That's it. And like, where do you go from there? Um, so the idea was, okay, we've got to get out of here. We've got to um, got to get into a PT studio. But at the time, financially, I was like broke. So I was like, I've got to go back to IT job. So I took another six-month contract with um, one of the banks over there saved every penny and then um, myself and a colleague who i'd met um at, at virgin he's a fellow aussie we 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 opened a, we we hired pt studio space in shoreditch in london so we went to a few different gyms and found space and we started our own personal training company so it was called my momentum and he bought a lot of his clients like he was still working there he bought a lot of his clients over from the virgin and he just went straight into coaching there. Whereas I started from scratch, I had to go and find clients. And the gym where we worked was PT studio only. So there were no, there was no footfall. Um, so yeah, we launched a website and then we trained one of the local girls who worked in the local coffee shop and got her to tell, tell people about, you know, what we were doing and who we were. So then that grew really quickly. We were there for two and a half years. Both of us had wait lists. Um, both of us continued our education. We studied under um, Charles Poliquin and went up and did our level four with Charles and then we were starting to run classes in the gym. Like this was a PT studio, but on weekends, the owner said, look, we could, we could have the back room and we could have a small group of people. And we had too many people. We just couldn't fit everyone in, people rocking up for these classes. And then all of the other coaches there were getting upset at us because we were taking up the whole <laughs> back room of the gym. So we decided we had to get out. Um, so from there, we just started looking at spaces and then, uh, uh, a colleague that we knew who worked in a gym next door, he was like, I'm in if you guys, you know, want a third wheel. Um, so we were like, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. So financially we, we needed him to open the gym. Yeah. Um, it was, it took us a couple of months to find the space. And there was at, at one point, um, Josh and I were like, should, should we go back to Australia and do this? Like, we were riding home one night and it was pissing down rain in London and, you know, um, it's just cold, damp, dark, and just thinking, why are we doing this? Like, do we really want to be here? Um, and anyway, the next week we, we got this space and it was like a huge train arch um, in, in Hackney. And we were like, oh, well, it's, it's the opportunities here. Let's do it. But it's a big commitment. It's going to be at least the next four or five years of our life if we're going to do this. So we put a lot of thought into it, but, you know, we rolled the dice and said, okay, let's do this. So, yeah, we, um, we probably spent, 
maybe three weeks getting the gym ready. So installing all the equipment, all the flooring, advertising, marketing, emailing all of the people that were current clients, past clients, everyone we knew and just trying to talk about it. And in the first week we opened, we decided we'd do a week of free classes. Anyone can come down, come and join the classes, get to know us. We'll get to know you. We'll see how we go. We had 300 people pass through the gym in the first week. And in week one, we launched um, with paying memberships. We had 120 people straight away. So we broke even straight away. Our rent and everything was covered, which was great. And the gym just grew from there, to be honest. Um, you know, at one point, I think we we're about 340 members strong. Um, it fluctuated. London's a very um, transient place, people coming and going all the time. And obviously with Christmas and summer holidays and stuff, the membership went up and down. But yeah, it just went from strength to strength. Um, lots of great opportunities came out of the gym. But it was a huge commitment. There was so much work to do going from running our own small sort of personal training business to now owning and managing a gym, managing staff, managing timetables, looking after a whole heap of members. Um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty full on, even though there was three of us to, you know, to take on all of that workload. Um, then how yeah. did you, um, did you burn out from that or was it sort of a decision to move back to Australia or what's, what was the sort of tipping point where you thought, right, you know, time to, time to go to the next thing? Yeah, it's a good question. Initially, when I left, I was like, I'm going to the UK for two years. I actually got a two-year career break with the National Australia Bank, which is unheard of. They've never done that before. Um, and, you know, I obviously changed careers when I was over there. Um, but, you know, the gym was going really well and I'd invested a lot. Like when I first started doing this CrossFit stuff, I was like, no worries at programming the strength side of it. Like, you know, I'd done all of the Poliquin courses. I'd been working with the UK sprinting team, training a number of the UK sprinters. Um, like the strength thing made sense to me. I could periodize and program that with my eyes closed. But then it was like this workout of the day shit. What is this? Like, I don't understand why we're putting people through this high intensity stuff um, when half of them can't move properly. We're talking general population here. So it wasn't until I did... Um, the OPEX course with James Fitzgerald and learn a lot more about energy system training that it really started to click to me about, okay, how do we work this workout of the day thing? So when that sort of kicked in, um, it made my life a lot easier. I was like, okay, now I understand how to program this and keep it safe and make it effective for our members without burning them out because there's so many of them are fatigued. So many of them are training at the gym four five, you know, six times a week, even though you're trying to tell them that they need rest and recovery. Um, but then it, just with business partners, our values didn't align, like especially one of the business partners, like he was just on a different trajectory to where I wanted to take the gym. So he was more about workout should be fun, workout should be tough. We should be leaving the members, you know, lying in a puddle of sweat on the floor. And I'm like, that's not the mentality I want with the gym. Like, so we, we banged heads so many times. Um, and yeah, it just, it just didn't work out between us, to be honest. And the point came, you know, four and a half years in um, where I was like, you know, the gym is doing great. If I'm going to get out, now's probably a good time to get out. Um, and I did want to get back to Australia. I was, I was, you know, just toying on the idea of my own health. Like yeah. I've been living in London for 10 years, big city, lots of noise, lots of pollution, working ridiculous hours, you know, five, six days a week, um, managing, looking after the gym. My whole life was the gym mm. and it was an opportunity to get out. Um, so yeah, I, I, I started looking for buyers 
Um, but in the end, I ended up selling my shares or my part of the gym to the to to other guys that are, that are there. Um, I spent another sort of three months in in London um, before I before I packed up and left. Um, and then I traveled through Asia for like six weeks on my way back home to Australia. I'd already teed up a job back here. So I went into another gym here when I got back to Australia in Melbourne. Um, it was another CrossFit gym and they just wanted which, a head coach. Gym? Uh, it was called CrossFit Victoria. They're actually, right. um, they're actually cl- closed down now, but they were one of, I think they were the first affiliate in, um, in yeah. Australia. Mm. What year was that? It's 2018 when I, okay. when I left. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, to go back with the burnout stuff, like in the first probably year of owning the gym, you're just running on pure adrenaline. You're just so mm. excited to be there. Like to stand in the gym just gave me goosebumps. It was such an awesome feeling to have such a fantastic community, but also just be delivering such great programming and seeing such great results and getting such great feedback from a huge amount of people. But it did catch up with me. Um, in the end and yeah there was times where i wasn't sleeping my digestive health had gone to shit um yeah there were a lot of things that just weren't i weren't ticking the boxes my training wasn't progressing the way it had been in the past um i'd given up on endurance training like i competed in lots of marathons and triathlons and ironmans before that but just with the gym the load was too much i couldn't keep up that style of training um which in hindsight was a good thing because um when we were doing the poliquin courses uh, a guy called Derek Woodski was running the courses and um, we asked Derek if he'd coach us, Josh and myself. So um, we actually took him on as a mentor and he was doing online training for us. So that's where the first idea of online training come from. Okay. But also just working under Derek, I learned more from that time of working with Derek than I have from any other course, from any other book, from any other thing that I've done in my career. So it was a huge investment, but it was definitely worthwhile. Mm. Yeah. And so talk about your, your training. I'm just interested in the burnout sort of gym space, what you were doing, uh, for your own training. Did it match up? Like you mentioned the endurance stuff, but were you, was your alignment like with what were you doing some of the stuff that was in the classes or what was the, what was your, your sort of routine in that period as well? Yeah, so in the period of time that we were in the PT studio, Josh and myself were both training for like the Ironmans and okay. um, stuff yeah. like that. So that was, we actually hired a guy called Brian McKenzie and he was heading up CrossFit Endurance at the time. So we went to a workshop with him and at the end of that, we were like, this sounds like us, it's what we want to do. So that program entailed us doing two swims, two cycles, two runs a week. Um, one of those sessions was uh, either a short high intensity sprints or sort of a mid distance intensity um, efforts. And then one of those sessions was a longer. So Friday was a long swim, Saturday was a long cycle, Sunday was a long run. And then back around, you'd do short stuff during the week. But during the week, we would start the day, we'd do two workouts. We'd start the day with um, a bit of strength and like a little CrossFit wad um, at the start of the day. And then later in the afternoon, we'd go and do our running sprints or our swim sprints or cycle sprints or whatever it was. Yeah. Then when, when we moved into the gym, I'll, before I finish up on that, I'll just say that when we when we switched to this style of training the first eight weeks were hell like both of us just felt broken but after eight weeks of doing this crossfit endurance stuff all of our times every race we competed in everything we were doing in terms of our training just improved dramatically and our training went down before that we were spending a good 20 hours a week training for triathlons and now we were doing probably 10 um and our results were going up which was a good thing cool 
then when we got the gym, like I said, we just, we were both, we can't afford to be putting in that many hours. We're going to have to find another way. And we, we went with Derek and, um, you know, the program that Derek put us both on was very much, you know, a typical sort of strength and conditioning program, uh, very polyquin style. Um, so that was great to learn all of that. Um, and we'd probably be training four, day, four days a week. Um, and it'd be about an hour session. And then maybe in the afternoon, we would just do some sort of GPP, push and pull sleds, use battle ropes, you know, um, general sort of strongman stuff as part of the recovery from that. Um, as we started to do more and more of the CrossFit stuff, um, yeah, I started to compete in some CrossFit competitions. Um, I started to try out a lot of the workouts that I was programming, learning about in terms of the energy system training. So instead of just doing like a 12-minute AMRAP, you, you would do put people in teams and it would be like, okay, you go through team of three, one person's working, doing a certain set of exercises. And it's when they finished, you swap. So there's always a work and rest ratio, um, depending on the energy system you're trying to train. So that was one way of being able to control um, what our members were up to in terms of um, not burning them out. We also set it up so Thursday was a pure gymnastic strength day. So every CrossFit class in the gym on a Thursday was just gymnastics. There was no workout, no crazy wad. It was just a way to break up the week and make sure people weren't, um, you know, just doing too much in that sense. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I fell in love with the bodyweight stuff. Like the whole part of the CrossFit stuff I loved the most was like the handstands, the, the muscle ups, um, the toaster bar, the gymnastic stuff. So I started to explore that a lot more. Um, I went to Edo Portel's movement camp in 2015. Um, and then, yeah, I, I trained with Edo for a year. So I signed up to his program and then just went deep with all of the, the gymnastics sort of stuff. And that started to take over. I didn't want to do the wads anymore. I didn't want to do that style of workout. Um, my body felt great. It, it suited me. Um, so then, yeah, my interest just started to change into more body weight training. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's sort of where it went. And a lot of my clients wanted to do that too. So, you know, a lot of the clients that I was training were, were, were interested in the skills and then anyone in the gymnast, anyone in the CrossFit gym who wanted to do more gymnastic stuff would, you know, come and see me about that for PT. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it just sort of evolved from there to be honest, mate. Mm. So when you went uh, traveling, cause you went pretty deep into all of these different things and a lot of people listening will know that, you know, stuff, you know, Portal mm. very, very immersive. And um, then when you went traveling and, and kind of walked away from it and had the exit, what was that like mentally to not have, um, I guess you may have still been training, but to sort of walk away from who you were and the life that you had and the whole sort of thing and, and sort of move into that next chapter and, and come over here? Or were you still, were you still looking at uh, you know, obviously landing in Melbourne and, and the CrossFit gym. Yeah, I suppose there was a little bit of uncertainty, like coming back to Australia. I'd never worked in fitness in Australia. Like my career change was in the UK. So I didn't really have a lot of contacts here or know a lot of people in the industry. On one of the holidays that I'd had previously coming back to Australia, I've got lots of friends in Melbourne. That's where I was living when I was working with uh, National Australia Bank. Um I was catching up with them, spending time with them, and I was still wanting to train. So I'd, I'd hit up the CrossFit gym, uh, CrossFit Victoria, and gone down there and trained. I'd met the owner and I'd met a few of the coaches. So I sort of knew them a little bit. And, you know, there was talk, there was a conversation like, oh, if you ever come back to Australia, you know, let us know. Um, yeah, so I'd been in touch with those guys. Um, 
and I didn't have that job secured until I was probably halfway back from from London. Like I was traveling and we had an interview. I think I was in Hong Kong at the time and I had an interview with Scott, the owner. Um, and that's when I sort of secured the job. Yeah. So yeah, I was a bit up in the air. Like I'd had I'd had I'd been doing a hybrid method with a lot of my clients, my, my personal training clients, because I didn't have enough time to see a lot of them more than sort of once a week. Some of them I was only seeing once a month. So the way it would work is they would do one session with me and I'd write a program for them and they'd take that program away and they'd do it themselves outside of that. So there were obviously members in the gym doing our classes, but also had a lot of people who weren't members of our gym who were coming to train with me and had other gym memberships where they were training themselves. Yeah. So that just naturally transitioned into full online because those clients already knew how to train online. Like I didn't have to teach them anything new. They were ready for it. Um, so yeah, my business just went online. I had around about 20, 20 clients that were training with me then. So while I was traveling, I was still working and making an income, which was great. Um, and a part of me is like, hmm, maybe I can just keep doing this. Like, this would be great just to be traveling and, and, and working. Um, so I actually stopped in Bali on the way back. Bali was my last stop before coming back to um, Australia. And I trained at Nirvana Strength, which is like a yep. gymnastic style gym there. And um, got to know Ian, um, one of the owners. And he was like, oh, if you want to come back and do a coaching, you know, do, do some coaching here, let us let us know. We, you know, there might be an opportunity for work and stuff like that. So um, I did come back to that later. So there was the opportunity to move to Bali and, and work as well. So, um, yeah, but I decided to come back to Australia and got back here and virtually just went straight into the job. So um, CrossFit Victoria had been kicked out of the space they were in. They moved into a new space. Okay. Um, heaps of issues with council and stuff. And then I just step in to a very traditional, very old school CrossFit style of training um, and members just broken, injured, unable to move, um, which was yeah an interesting sort of thing. And, and, and heading up that coaching team and trying to step into that was was quite difficult at the time um, and i was still running online training and i had a small team of crossfit athletes that i was training so my program design was going nuts like i was spending 20 hours a week just writing programming programming yeah. for the gym programming for yeah. my online clients programming for the athletes like it was just insane yeah yeah okay and so then i remember you you know you moved up north and eventually ended up traveling around a lot of australia what and, and so must have gone fully online. What was the shift that got you, I don't know, to that next level? I guess it's, you know, another level of freedom. You kind of went back to that, um, you know, ability to move around out of CrossFit Victoria and then into mm. the next chapter. What was that like? Yeah, it was an interesting time. So um, the opportunity at Bali came up. So there was an invite to go to Bali and, um, and you know, uh, work at the gym there. So. I'd planned to take um, three weeks off, two weeks in Bali, and then Ido Portal's movement camp again. So the day I went into the into the gym before I was going to leave, uh, I wanted to sit down with the manager and just tell him, look, I can't keep working here. Like my, my commitment to my online clients and the athletes that I'm training is too much. And this potential job is coming in Bali and maybe I'll do that. And I got to the gym that day and he goes, oh, I've got, a, I've got something I've got to tell you. I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. And then, and then that's when he sat me down and said, look, by the time you get back, the gym probably won't be here. Like he'd gone into bankruptcy in the move and he'd lost members because of the move and because of the council and everything that happened, he'd lost members. And, and in reality, he had to close the gym down. Um, so I didn't end up having to quit, but I was actually, you know, contemplating it that day. 
Um, then I went to Bali and I, I, I worked at uh, Nirvana and I, I worked some hours there and I could still have enough hours to do my online clients. And I was just trying it out. Could I actually live in Bali and work with this work for me? Um, and then the two weeks was pretty good. I enjoyed it. And then I went to um, Thailand and Diodito's movement camp. And I met a guy called Jordan who was a, a PT from Fifth Element in Melbourne, a gym there, but he'd recently moved to Byron. And anyway, I'd met him there and we got to know each other. And he had um, he'd booked a, a yoga retreat slash movement um, retreat in Bali the week after Ido's movement camp. And his partner was meant to go with him, but she decided she wasn't going to go. So he's like, do you want the ticket? You can come with me. And I'm like, oh, sure, man. Well, how much do you want for it? And he's like, no, no, you can have it for free. Accommodation, everything sorted. I'm like, all right, why not? All I've got to do is rebook my flight. Um, yeah, so I went back to Bali with him. Actually, it was a, we had a week together in Bali and then we did the week of the yoga slash movement camp. And um, yeah, it was quite good to do that and you know get to know Jordan a fair bit. And we became quite good mates in that time. And then when I got back to Melbourne, I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm like, why, why am I in Melbourne? Like, I don't have to be in a big city. I've lived in a big city for so long. Um, I'm going to go up to Byron for a couple of weeks, hang out with Jordan and see you know, what, what that's like. So yeah, I moved up there or I went up there for a holiday and just hung out with him and the beaches are awesome. You know, the little community was awesome. The farmer's markets, everything that I was like craving really. Um, so I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to do that. So yeah, I ended up moving up to up to Byron Bay and was there for two and a half years. And that's where I met my current partner. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then we were renting a place and this was you know, just sort of after COVID hit and then, you know, everything in Byron was going up. Lots of people were getting out of Sydney. Um, it was getting pretty hectic. Our landlord wanted to put up our rents. It was just going nuts. And if you go to a property, there was a hundred people there and we're like, what are we doing? Like, this is not working for us. Let's buy a caravan and a car and see what happens. So we, we did that. We moved into the caravan and um, our plan was maybe just to travel for a few months. Um, my partner had applied for a university course in Townsville. And we were going to just go um, and travel until that started. But, you know, we sort of went down to, down the, down New South Wales East Coast. Um, and then we went across to SA and caught up with her family and then back into Victoria for a little bit to catch my family over New Year's. And that's when we decided we were just like, well, what's stopping us from going West? Let's just do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we just went West and we've, you know, we were spent 14 months in total on the road, living in the caravan. And yeah, I could work as long as I had a decent internet connection doing all my programming and stuff so yeah during the week i would try and do as much of the work as i could take an afternoon off here and there and then weekends we would just get out and you know go go on an adventure to waterfalls and canyons and beaches and forward driving and just what was there so yeah it was an awesome opportunity and i'm so glad we did it because a lot of people were in lockdown and lots of people were saying that you know it was a tough time but to us we were just traveling around the caravan loving life totally totally mm -hmm. and so now you're working with other trainers as well who are going online or transitioning online um you know probably people who are looking to set up something kind of like what you built coming out of the out of the physical space of the gym especially now right like there's so much so much unknown a lot of people shifting to online platforms that kind of stuff what's um tell us a little bit about the people you work with what that looks like and what how you help them yeah, for sure. Um, it sort of came about, like I actually did a health coaching course with Chris Kreza in that one of the years that I was living in Byron. And my niche then was to work with personal trainers and it was to work with personal trainers who were burnt out. So 
a lot of my coaches in the gym were burnt out. A lot of the PTs I worked with in, in the PT studio were burnt out. So many of us are just working ridiculous hours just so we can pay the bills. Mm. And I started health coaching these PTs and every time I'd get on a call with them, it had just come back to business. It had come back to how do I structure my career so I don't have to work so hard and I can still afford to pay the bills. Like it's just killing me. Like the only way I can see is to get out of this industry and go do something else or to open a gym. And I'm like, yeah, that's a big commitment. So it sort of turned into more sort of coaching, um, career coaching. So that's what sort of made me switch my niche around and think, okay, these guys don't really need health coaching. They do know how to look after themselves, but it's their circumstances that are preventing themselves from looking after their own health. So yeah, that switch just started to happen um, naturally, I suppose, through those conversations. So then, you know, I was looking at, okay, I have built this career online. I have managed to, you know, sustain it for a number of years. Mm. And I sort of stumbled my way through it a little bit. Like I wouldn't say I was great at marketing and great at sales. You know, I, I built a good foundation and I had a lot of contacts and that really sort of helped me in the online space. So it was like, okay, if I'm going to teach this, I need to understand, you know, more about marketing and sales. And at the start, that just was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a salesperson. I, I don't want to be into all of this stuff. Um, is it really what I want to do? Um, and that's sort of when, you know, I found Creator Club and, and came to you guys and was like, hey, I'm going to invest in this and I'm going to start to learn a bit about it and see if it is going to be something that I enjoy. Um, I'd also been starting to follow Donald Miller and the work that he's done. Um, and I'd read his, um, you know, his story branding book. And that sort of sparked my interest a lot. And I was like, okay, I, I, I actually like this story approach. I actually like... Um, you know, to try and figure out how PTs can use this story approach to grow their career and grow their business. So that's what sort of sparked my interest a lot more and yeah, why I continue to push this, protect the asset and hopefully get, you know, this framework complete and set up in a way that's going to help personal trainers grow their careers without burning out. Um, I also think a lot of coaches have got fantastic ideas. There are so many coaches I've spoken to and so many coaches that I've worked with that have got big ambitions on where they want to take their career, but they just don't know how to take the next step. Or there's a lot of self-doubt in there that they don't have the experience yet. They don't have the knowledge yet. I'm not ready to you know, walk away from the safety of this job I've got right now and put myself out there. Um, so it's helping them overcome those self-doubts and giving them the confidence to take that risk, to take that leap of faith um, and go after their career dreams. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the big thing that you think that you see people uh, who want to go online, maybe they're at a gym and they, the one, the people I meet, a lot of them have, you know, a lot of clients at a gym and they kind of can see that they're you know burning the candle a little bit similar to what you talked about when you owned the gym and there's a capped earning potential and there's they're maxed out on time uh so they want to go online what's what's some of the mindset shifts or ways of thinking or, or mistakes that you see people make when they do go over to online like what's some of the differences that people might not realize uh, or that you notice in people? Yeah, that's a really good question. John, I like that question a lot. Um, there's a lot I could talk about there. But I think 
a lot of coaches have a great idea. It's like, oh, I'm going to write this program and this program is going to be amazing and everyone's going to buy this program, you know. And they sit down and they write this program and create this service. And who's it for? They don't even stop to think about who they're writing the program for. They just think that, okay, if I write this program, if I build it, they will come. And it's just not going to happen because in the gym, we have this opportunity to build relationships. We have this opportunity to build trust. We're in the gym every day. We see the same people. We're face-to-face. They're watching us train our clients. They're making judgments on whether they would invest in our services. They're getting to know us. So I think it's a lot easier to get clients in the gym. You're also only competing against the other personal trainers in that geographical location. So you've got quite a small market and it's the competition, you know, if, you, if you're a great PT is really, you know, not that hard to get yourself a full list of clients. We jump online and now you're competing against every other personal trainer out there if you're not careful. If you're just putting out general health and fitness advice, then you're just going to get lost in the noise. Um, you know, you, you don't have to scroll very far in social media to see personal trainers just throwing out this random health and fitness advice left, right and center, but they actually haven't taken the time to figure out who their client is, who's the audience they're trying to speak to, and how can they start to change their marketing strategy to attract more clients so there's a lot of strategies about sending clients DMs. There's a lot of strategies about paying for ads. There's a, all these different tactics that we're using, but it's not working because we're not building the relationships. We're not building the trust because we don't know who we're speaking to. And I think that's a big mistake that the trainers make. And in a lot of the conversations I'm having with trainers, um, they're coming to me with like, oh, yeah, I don't have a niche yet. Or, I haven't figured out my niche. And oh, I'm reluctant to have a niche because I'm struggling to get clients now. What if I make my audience smaller? Isn't that going to be harder? So I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around, you know, the niche and how important it is when you move your career online. Yeah, cool. Okay. And so uh, when they start to embrace that and start to understand the person that they want to work with, what are some of the things that they think about? Like, how do you, how would you guide someone through that a little bit or how to, you know, flip the messaging a little bit for, for one person or, or see that in a way that's more abundant, you know, like what's some of the, um, what's some of the ways of thinking or things that they can do that you found to be helpful? Yeah. Good question. I think when they find a niche, it just blows their mind. Like it just, how it changes what you do each day and how you set up your career is just mind-blowing once people get it. Um, what, we want to, what, we, what I try to do for starters when we sit down and think about the niche is I like to ask more questions about their journey as a personal trainer. Why did you become a personal trainer in the first place? What sparked your interest? Have you had some sort of health complication? Were you an athlete competing in some sport? Um, maybe someone you loved had a health complication and you became a PT because you wanted to help them. Everyone's got a story. Let's try and uncover this story and figure out why the industry is so important to you, why you're so passionate about health and fitness. And when we start to uncover that story and we uncover their own journey and what they've learned along the way, we start to tap into who this niche might be just a little bit more because we're all on a journey. We're all on our own health and fitness journey. And 
these coaches have started back here at their starting point, let's say point A, and they're heading towards, you know, point B, their end goal, where they want to get to. And they might not be there yet. You know, they might not have the advanced gymnastic skills they want. They might not be competing in powerlifting competitions. They might not have solved their health issue. That doesn't matter. They've actually progressed from point A. They're somewhere along that path towards point B. And a lot of the people they want to work with, a lot of the clients that they want to help, their niche audience, are on a very similar journey to them. And they're behind them somewhere. So they're between point A and where this coach is right now. And coaches have a wealth of experience and knowledge to offer their particular client niche because they're ahead of them in the journey. Mm. They've made mistakes. They've learned a lot of valuable lessons. They have a lot that they can teach their clients. And once we can tap into you know, that powerful story of who you are as a coach and, and why you're here, then you can start to see how you can help a certain audience of people in a particular way. Um, so that's one of the ways um, we go about trying to uncover this niche. We, we do a big deep dive into sort of self-identity. Who are you? Who are your values? What are your beliefs? What is your story? And then off the back of that, we'll step into more sort of client identity. Who are the people you like to work with? What style of training do you like to teach? You know, what would be the dream job? Um, when you retire and you look back on your career, what do you want to be most proud of? Like all of these questions are tricky to answer, but when coaches sit down and do that work, I think it really starts to open a lot of doors in terms of who they're going to work with and how they're going to set up their career moving forward. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Super powerful. Mm. All right, man. Well, um, what's, what else can you tell us about the, the framework or how you work with people or what you're excited about that people can go and check out or have a look at? It's been such an awesome journey for myself, like to go from, you know, being a PT to being a gym owner to thinking about the health coaching route and then now working or moving towards this sort of career coaching. I'm still online training. I've still got a list of online clients and I, I always will. Like I think you've got to have your finger on the pulse and you've got to be practicing what you're preaching in a sense. I'm not really trying to maybe grow that too much right now, um, but at the same time, I think it's important to have that. I'm really enjoying the conversations I'm having with coaches, so many different coaches, and I'm excited to start implementing Protect the Asset with more coaches and taking them through, you know, the content. What I really like about it, some of the, some of the big things that have really helped me when I've sat down and, and, and pieced this together has been the productivity framework. I think when we move online and we step out of the gym, we have to manage our time. We've got to be on top of our time management skills because in the gym, you know, we're sort of, our, our time is dictated by our clients. We work around their busy hours. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this freedom, but you do need to set aside time to do the work, not only the work for your clients, but also the work on your business so you can keep growing it. So how do we do that? How do we put a structure around managing our time, um, making sure that we're productive and we're not just overwhelming ourselves again in this online career. So yeah, the productivity framework inside of Protect the Asset is designed to help coaches break down their career visions into projects, milestones, and daily actionable tasks so that each week we're just moving a little bit closer towards you know, our career goals, towards that career vision step-by-step, step, but we're not overwhelming ourselves. So that's one big part 
that I think um, a lot of coaches are going to benefit from. The client identity stuff, which we've already talked about, you know, uncovering your client niche, um, uncovering your story so you, you can start to share that story. Um, the next sort of thing once we've got that is, is, is building your sort of signature training method, okay? So it's, you know, a lot of coaches are presenting this idea of like, oh, I'm a great coach. I've got all this experience. Come and do online training with me. Um, here's some before and after shots of my clients, a little bit of social proof. But it's like, what are you actually offering your clients? Like, come and do online training with me is not really a solid offer. You're not really showing them that you've got a solution to the problem that they're trying to solve. So if you can build a signature training method, it becomes your primary service, the primary product that you're going to market and you're going to advertise. And it's going to be very specifically targeted at your niche. You could sort of see it like if you had a gym, if you have a CrossFit gym, a new member comes through and they do a foundations program that brings them up to speed with you know, the classes and what's going to happen there. It's the same for you. You build this evergreen sort of product that is for your specific niche. They come in the door. You've got this product set up. Maybe it's an eight-week, maybe it's a 12-week program that they're going to go through. It's got an education piece. It's got accountability. It's got the training piece. It's got all of the different pillars in there that you're going to teach these clients. And then off the back of that, hopefully if the clients get results, which is obviously your goal, they're going to transition to like a subscription um, monthly subscription and continue individualized training with you after that period of time. So instead of trying to sell individualized training, now you're actually trying to sell a product, a signature training method targeted at your specific audience, your niche audience, um, which shows them that you've got a solution. Um, so I'm really excited about that and taking coaches through that. So I've got a few guys working through that now and they're really enjoying the process and they've come up with some fantastic pillars around what they want to actually teach their clients and it's not just the physical training there's mindset pillars there's nutrition pillars there's breathing pillars there's lots of different ideas that coaches are coming up with to support more of a holistic style of training yeah mm. yeah cool sounds pretty good um and where do they go to check out the work you got a website up or social media yeah so both um i'm running the sustainable training method.com um but you can also go to protecttheasset.co, which will take you directly to the Protect the Asset part of that page. Um, and you can have a browse around there to get a better idea or more details of the, of the products and services for coaches. Um, and I've also got, um, yeah, obviously, the two, there's two Instagrams. There's the Sustainable Training Method Instagram, which is more of my online coaching. And there is the Protect the Asset, which is more of the career coaching um, on, on Instagram, um, also YouTube channels. So I'm just starting the protect the asset one and that's coming off the back of the, the podcast now, um, which has been up and running. I've done three episodes and cool. got a lot, a lot of excitement about, uh, the next few guests coming on to speak with that. Um, and the sustainable training YouTube channels got over 1500 videos, exercise videos and stuff on there. So if people are looking for that sort of stuff, it's there too. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what's your training look like at the moment? What are you doing up there since you've moved North? Yeah, so while I was in the caravan, I'd actually managed to build myself a little uh, flat pack pull-up bar. So yeah, had the gymnastics so ring, <laughs> the pull-up bar, which is great. Um, and then I had a barbell, and I had about ninety kilos of weight. Um, so that just kept me going um, while I was on the road, and I was just taking care of my own training in terms of my own programming. Since I've got here, um, you know, one of the coaches I used to work with back in London, he, he worked at my gym for me, um, Erdie. He's um, at, at Learn to, Learning to Human. 
Um, he's been doing a lot of um, mobility, handstands, you know, working on his gymnastics, pancake and splits, and he's made amazing progress. Mm. So, um, yeah, I asked him if he would mind writing me a mobility program. So I've, I've started doing a little bit of mobility with him, which has been my biggest limitation or weakness coming from endurance training, like running and cycling. And then from strength training, I think yeah, mobility was something I, I left behind, but it's been great to get into that and, and start to see the progress in terms of mobility and to have someone like Ertie writing my program. So very much appreciate that and very grateful for him. And then just recently, um, I've hired another coach um, from Portugal. Um, we've actually done an exchange of services. So he's going to jump on and run through Protect the Asset. And in return, cool. he's, uh, he's writing me a gymnastics strength program. Um, yeah, and it's the first time he's had an online client. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a good opportunity for him. And yeah, so we'll work together that way. And um, yeah, I look forward to continuing to develop my gymnastics skills. Yeah, nice. Cool. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing and a wealth of information there for people building the online stuff. I think even if, you know, at this point, if you've got face-to-face service in the PT or movement space or whatever it is, setting up the capabilities to deliver online and starting to understand even a lot of the stuff you you talked about today is going to help Mm. Um, where the person's at right now and then make it really easy to flip easier it's still still challenging to go online like a lot i think a lot of people they think it's going to be easier than offline but it's uh there's a lot of work there so sounds like you'll really be able to help them through that which is which is really cool yeah 100 percent, mate i think you know there's a lot of work when we step out of that pt role when we're just managing ourselves and looking after our clients it's a big step to open a gym and take on you know, all these new responsibilities. And I think sometimes, like you say, PTs want to step online, but they don't realize how much additional responsibilities come with that if you want to build that successful career. Yeah. Awesome, Stretch. Thanks so much. Uh, I'll pop the website that you mentioned into the show notes, also your Instagram so people can find you. Yep. And uh, looking forward to seeing it evolve. Very awesome, cool. mate. Cheers, John. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you soon. All right, mate. Take care. Bye. That is it for this episode of the Creator Club Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Check out Stretch's information and account on the links in the show notes. And head over to the Creator Club website, creatorclub.link, and you can grab a copy of the updated 100K Propulsion Guide, uh, which is a really cool resource of eight kind of surprising tenets, so like mindset positions, um, ways of thinking that are going to help you in your first 100K. And this is a very important period because there's so much mindset work and so much uh, that comes down to how you're thinking about your offer, sales, sharing your offer, marketing, relationship building that plays into the success in that zone. So head over to creativeclub.link and check it out. It's a free download. All right, that's it from me. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening.